So after 15, 20 minutes of adjusting the microphone, trying to get it situated, getting it how it needs to be for it to sound good, um, I'm here. <laughs> and I'm glad that you are also here. Um, I am going to be honest because this is a very open and honest episode. Um, I started this episode as I have before. This is not the first time that I've started an episode and stopped it. I went on for eight minutes just kind of like rambling and babbling. And I have gone back and listened to some of my old podcasts and I literally rambled and babbled for 15 minutes one episode and like repeated myself over and over and over and over and over again and um you know I started it and after fiddling with the mic because I prayed and then I started the podcast and then my mic didn't sound right and I was like I'm gonna keep testing it keep playing around with it played around with it for 20 minutes and then finally got it to sound right and then I started the podcast and it was almost like you know I need to regroup pull myself back together pull it pull it back in. Sometimes you just got to pull yourself back in. Excuse me. Sometimes you just got to, you know, pull yourself back, reel yourself back in after, you know, starting something. And then, you know, I think about like on our praise teams on Sunday, our praise team practices on Sunday morning. uh, We pray before we practice and then we pray after we practice because it's kind of like a regrouping before Sunday morning service. And so, um, you know, that was just my, uh, so I prayed, uh, before I adjusted my mic, I prayed after I adjusted my mic and, uh, just to kind of regroup and pull myself back together and kind of, uh, get ready for this podcast. But, um, again, I'm excited that you're here. This episode, I do not take lightly. (laughs) Um, it's unique in its own way. It is something that I don't, um, normally do nor talk about. Um, and I felt, that there was not only a word for me individually and not just something that I can take personally. Um, And you're not just going to hear the story of me, but you're going to hear a very common story um, in the Bible that the Lord kind of revealed to me in a new way. And I'm going to share that with you. And um, I do want to start with a disclaimer. No, I'm not a Bible scholar. No, I'm not this, that, or the other, um, you know, I'm grateful for the internet and for resources that we do have, um, if I do miss something, then, uh, you know, I, I, right now, I just, I pray that the Lord would touch your ears, um, to hear what he wants you to hear, to feel what he wants you to feel, and to see what he wants you to see, because what I see may not be what you see, and, um, but ultimately, um, I do feel that this was a word from the Lord from me, uh, for me, not from me. Uh, I feel like this was a word from the Lord um, that he has, you know, given me um, something that stood out to me that hit me very heavily. And um, I, I believe that it's going to be something powerful for somebody. But um, again, read it yourself. Um, I've heard pastors before say, go back and read it for yourself. See what you get from and um, so I just challenge you to go and see what you get from it and see if you get something differently than I did um, or if you see what I see. And um, But I just know what I feel. Um, 
you know, uh, there's so many mysteries and uh, wonders to God. Um, we're never going to stop being fascinated with who he is and in all of his goodness, his glory, and all that he can do. And um, I heard somebody describe the presence of God and the the side of God being like a diamond that's different every angle you look at it and the and I you know I I, I I get it you know every time I open the Bible you can read the same story over and over again but every time you read it you get something different and this is one of those stories and I'm going to start it off with a very personal testimony and then we're going to get into um, what I feel the Lord is saying to not just me but to you um, so I'm going to get into it. Um, I have been, I'm going to be honest that the Lord has really been dealing with me and pulling things out of me this week, um, that I believe was full and total preparation for what he wanted to say and speak, not only here, but, um, on Tuesday night, I am sharing with a young adults ministry and I feel that this very much so applies to what I'm going to share with them on, um, and, uh, so, you know, I just I began to kind of think and ponder on my past and who I once was. And um, there was a song that came on. I'll just, you know, start it off with story time. Um, so on Monday, I walked into work, uh, and I work at the church. And I walked into the church, and Jason, who's our cleaning guy, had music going. And, you know, I'm one of those people who sometimes music bothers me being played while I'm working, sometimes it doesn't. Well, this day it didn't, and it didn't bother me. And he asked me if, if I was good with it, if I if it was bothering if it was bothering me, and it wasn't. So what I did was uh, I left it going, I left it playing. Well, a song that I had heard a thousand times, prior to this day came on but it hit me so different this day and the song was lean back by maverick city with amanda cook and um as i listened to it it started talking about the love of the father the love of god the true love and it gets to the bridge and it says there's two bridges in this song and the first bridge says, now I can see your love is better than all the others that I've seen. And then the second bridge says, I thought I knew what love was, but it's better. And when I heard those two lines, I got such a heaviness in my spirit, but it was a good heaviness. And I was like, I need to go back and listen to this song. And so I sat time aside and I just sat and I played that song and I listened to every single word. And you know when you hear a song and you're like, that's my anthem? This song was my anthem. And this song is my anthem. When I heard this song, go back and listen to it. Lean Back by Maverick City and Amanda Cook. Go back and listen to it because you'll better understand my story when you hear this, you know. And, um, so in that song, you know, it says, I thought I knew what love was, but it's better. Now I can see your love is better than all the others that I've seen. And that 
is my testimony. I, um, today I'm going to be talking about the woman caught in adultery. Um, so, <laughs> I'm going to get a little open, and I don't normally do this. I have family who listens to these podcasts. I have friends who listen to these podcasts. But I truly stand by the word. I have been <sighs> I've been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Now I'm overcome by the words of my testimony. And this is something that I, <sighs> this is my testimony. This is parts of my testimony. This is not the full thing. But I am going to get, you know, I'm not going to go into detail. I'm not going to go into um, everything that's ever happened to me. I'm not going to do that. I don't feel that here right now is yet the time nor place, but that that time will come. But I am going to open up a little bit about my past, who I was, and who I am no longer. And I rejoice um, in being able to say that. And um, so today I'm going to be talking about the woman caught in adultery. And this is a very common story. This is one of those stories that you probably have read if you are you know if you were raised in church you've heard this story and if you aren't raised in church welcome we're glad you're here we rejoice that you are growing in the Lord and that you are maybe a fresh baby Christian and we acknowledge you and we are grateful to uh, have you a part of the body of Christ and if you have yet to um, you know really get to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior I suggest that you do that because it's a really good life and Jesus is awesome. So that's my little, um, that's my little, little Jesus tag, uh, one of many for this podcast. But um, again, John 8, 1 um, through 12, it's a very common story. Um, if you were raised in church, you know this story very well and can probably quote it. But we're going to read it, and I'm actually going to read it from the Passion Translation just because this was the version that really helped me. I mean, this was really the version that made it very personal to me. So um, we're going we're gonna to read, we're going to hop into this. John 8, chapter 1, verse, um, um, John 8, verse 1 through 12. Jesus walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus approached the temple again and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words so he sat down and taught them then in the middle of his teaching the religious scribes and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman to him who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone then they said to Jesus teacher we caught this woman in the very act of adultery doesn't Moses' law command that such women would be stoned to death? Tell us, what do you say we do with her? They were only testing Jesus, hoping that they could trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. But Jesus didn't answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry. 
they kept insisting that he answer the question. So Jesus stood up, looked at them, and said, Let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Upon hearing this, the accuser slowly left the crowd, one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. And Jesus said, Then I certainly do not condemn you either. Go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. And then Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and those who embrace me will experience the life-giving light that will never walk in darkness. And will never walk in darkness. Excuse me. I was doing so good until that last until that last line. I'm the light of the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light and will never walk in darkness. So, now it's time to get into a little bit of me and my story, who I have been and who I am no longer, and um, how the Lord has transformed, freed, and redeemed my past and taken what the enemy meant for evil and turned it to good. So for years, and um, I battled with sexual addiction, with struggles and desires and with um, the longing for love from a man and um, the song that I was talking about you know where it says um, I thought I knew what love was but it's better now I can see your love is better than all the others that I've seen I loved men. I was entangled in the enemy's web of man-pleasing and flesh-pleasing and um, I would do whatever it took for any man as long as it meant that he would love me and that he would tell me he loved me and that he would give me gratification. I would do whatever he wanted to get that gratification to get that love, and to feel loved in a sense. So, as I was preparing for this, he reminded me of the times and in the moments where I used to use man's physical attraction and physical touch and fleshly desires as my image of what love was. Um, For years, I battled with you know, sexual desires and, and struggles because of something that I battled at a young age 
um, as a child um, because of a pop-up on a computer. Um, I went through a season where I was addicted heavily to sexual images and videos and I battled for so long with that but that was how what I thought love was because it was in my head at such a young age because of a pop-up on the computer and technology is a wonderful thing but it also is very 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 awful and can be utilized as a weapon for the from from the enemy um and um I am you know before I before I started this whole podcast on my struggles and well before I even kind of got into my testimony when I started this episode I said I'm grateful for technology that I can you know study and and do that I'm thankful for it but there's also a part of me um that battled with technology um you know I was this kid who was just chilling on YouTube and then a video pops up and parents be careful what your kids pay attention to what your kids are watching pay attention to that stuff you know um I have incredible parents and um you know, this was a silent battle that I faced and didn't let them even think for a second that I battled with it. Um, this was very much a silent battle, a very secretive battle, and I did a lot to keep it hidden because um, of what the enemy told me one time and when he looked at me and said, he didn't look at me, he, when he creeped into my head and said, do not tell a soul what you just did. And so I didn't. And I kept it hidden for years and years and years. And I have just been freed from it for not very long. Um, But um, that was the start of what I thought love was. And I was raised in church. I knew that Jesus loved. I knew that God loved. I knew that family loved. I knew that friendship was real love. I knew that all that was real love. But at a young age, the enemy told me, this is all a man is ever going to want from you. And this is the only way you will ever get a man to love you. And so I clung to that. And so I did whatever it took. When I was dating a guy, when I was with a guy, I did whatever it took to keep them to make sure that I fed that gratification, that that was what love was. I did whatever it took to feed that enemy's seed that said, this is what love is. Because what he was trying to do was build up all these weeds around my head, planted from a seed that he planted and not something that the Lord planted, and build up these weeds around my ears to say, Jesus will never love you. You're never, he's, he doesn't love you. This is love. This is real love. This is how a guy's going to love you. This is how your husband's going to love you. This is the only way that you're ever going to get married. This is the only way that a guy's ever going to look your direction is if you do this, if you show this, if you have, if you have these things, if you take this picture, this is the only way that you're ever going to be loved. 
And so for years, I clung to that. Even when I was in church, I tell people all the time, I looked really good, but I smelled really bad in the spirit. I looked like a Christian girl. I looked like a sweet, kind girl. Sweet, kind, innocent, sweet little Leah Grace. But I reeked of the world. I reeked of my own fleshly desires. I reeked of it. And I tell people all the time, you know that scripture where it talks about don't be a lukewarm Christian. Be either hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. I was as lukewarm as you can get lukewarm. But grace and but God, and I'm so thankful for it. But I read this scripture, and I put my name every, just about every time they said she. When it says that the Pharisees brought her to Jesus, her accusers brought her to Jesus. Sometimes your haters going to bring you to Jesus. Y'all, I had a moment. I had a moment. This was the first slap in the face for me. I had a moment. This is an, a, a mini story time. You know, back in back in the day when Snapchat had the um, anonymous things and people still do it sometimes. And nobody ever does those things with good intentions. So if you're doing those things, let me be the one to call you out. Nobody ever does those anonymous things with good intentions. Get off the anonymous apps. Get off your your anonymous stories. Get off those things because you're not doing them with good intentions. And you, there's better for you. And anyways, so there's my little tangent. But um, I did that. Uh, one time I did a, you know, an anonymous thing and I was expecting people, guys, to be like, you know, you're really pretty, but you'd never give me a chance or uh, I just wish that you were mine. Blah. You know, I wanted those things like everybody else was getting. But instead, I had somebody slide up and said, you act like this good godly Christian girl, but if they only knew who you really were. I was so offended. I said, um, excuse me, you know, Jesus loves me. And, but what it was, was I was convicted. In that moment, in that moment, I was so convicted because I did for so long. I played church, but I lived like the world. I played this image, but I lived like the world. And when I go back and read this story of the woman caught in adultery, when I go back and read it and I read and I pick it apart, I think about how I was that woman who it took a radical moment. And I remember the last time that I ever looked at a sexual image. And I remember the last time that I ever did it 
there was an excruciating pain. I was living. I was on the right path with the Lord. Like I was, I was walking, you know, I was still battled in my mind, but I never put it to action. But I put it to action. And when I put it to action, I didn't go all the way like I used to, but I went just far enough to convict me, to get me to know I went far enough in my mind. And the Bible says if you commit death in your mind and murder in your mind, you've committed it in your in your heart. You've committed it. It's just as bad as if you were to go up to somebody and stab somebody. It was just as bad for me to get far enough in my mind as it would have been for me to go and sleep with my neighbor. It was just as bad. And so in that moment, I was so convicted and I felt an excruciating pain in my stomach. And like I said, I was, I was, you know, doing better with the Lord. I was praying. I was reading my Bible. I was doing better, but I was still struggling. I was still way too, way too new to this. To, I was still way too fresh. And it was still an open wound. It wasn't, it wasn't a scar yet. It was still a bruise. You know, it was still there. It still hurt when you pressed on it. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't, I, I wasn't strong enough to face it. And so... I felt this excruciating pain in my gut and I fell on my face and I said, Lord, make it stop. He said, I can't make it stop. You have to want it to stop. Leah Grace, if you want this to stop, if you don't want to feel this way, you have to want to not feel this way. You have to put it to works. You have to put the phone down. You have to cancel it out. You have to set boundaries for yourself. Throw your phone away. Throw your computer away. If you want this to stop, if you want this to be the end of the cycle, you have to put in the works. Faith without works is dead. I can say all day long, I can give this up. I can give this up. But until you throw that thing out, you're not going to really fully give it up. It's kind of like a smoker saying, yeah, I'm going to quit smoking and then keeping the cigarettes in their pocket. It's like if you... If you're saying that you're going to quit smoking, you got to throw the pack away. You can't just keep it. You can't keep the thing that's holding you back and expect expect things to get better. You can't you can't hold on to it. And so the Lord really convicted me and said, "Leah Grace, if you ever want this to really, if you ever if you really want to be and do all that I want you to be and do, you have to make the choice. You have to decide that you don't want this anymore. You have to decide that this is not you. You have to decide that this is not the plan, the purpose, the position that I have for you. You have got to look up, child. Because right now you're looking down. You're looking at your phone. You're looking at your feet. You're looking at your body. You're looking at your insecurity. You're looking at all of these things. You're looking at this, you're looking at that, you're looking at all these areas in your life, and I'm calling you to look up, but until you decide that you want to look up, you will always be looking at your feet. You will always be looking at your phone. You will always be looking at your insecurities. You will always be looking down, waiting for somebody to throw a stone at you. When I'm telling you to look up, because when you look up, you're going to realize there's no accusers around you, and I have gotten rid of all of those accusers I'm the only one who can accuse you and I'm not gonna do it because I defeated death hell and the grave for you why in the world would I take you out 
But you have to want your deliverance. You have to want. You have to want it. And he hit me so hard. And I, from that day, I said, God, I will not go back. I will not look at another image. And I have not. And I rejoice in being able to say that I am not that person. I rejoice in being able to say that that was not me. But it took an exposure moment. It took a Pharisee pulling me out and exposing my nakedness for me to be completely laid out on the ground and convicted and saying, God, I don't want this anymore. And for me to finally look up and to see that it was just Jesus and there was nobody around me. It took one of those moments, those radical moments where I looked around and there wasn't just, there wasn't a a sea of accusers holding rocks in their hand, but there was a savior laying there on the, there was a savior hanging there on the cross with blood on his head from his head well, all the way down to his feet with nails in his hands saying, child, I did this for you. I do not accuse you. It took that moment of me looking up and seeing a savior, one who defeated death, hell, and the grave for me. It took me looking up to realize I wasn't surrounded. But when your feet are down, you're not aware of what's around you. When your head's hanging down, you're not aware of what's around you. So what the enemy's going to do is feed assumptions. What he's going to do is he's going to tell you, there's people around you with rocks in their hands, ready to throw them. Prepare for impact, sister, because this is your final days. They've been numbered, and the enemy wants to feed you. Feed those thoughts and feed your mind. But you were bought with a price. Because you have been sent here on this earth for an assignment. And as I began to dig into the story, and here's where it gets good. Um, when you go back in verse 10, did you know that when he says, woman, where are your accusers? That word woman translates to wife. And when I read that, I said, my God, the adulterous woman is now a bride. (laughs) Y'all, when I read that, when I read, woman, where are your accusers? And that word accusers, did you know, can translate into Satan. So we can apply this to the church. So where he says woman, he says bride. And when he says accusers, he says Satan. So when he says bride, where is Satan? Ho! (laughs) Bride, where is Satan? And we look at him and say, I see no one. I see a king who has defeated death, hell, and the grave. There's no accusers. There's no devil. So when he went to the dirt. When he was in the dirt for her, he was in the grave for us. And when he rose up, it says that she was standing. It says she was standing before him. It doesn't say that she was laying on the ground and he stooped down to her level. It says he rose up to her standing, which showed me she didn't have to go through the dirt and die 
because he did it for her. Oh, so when he looked at her, when he stood up, when he rose from that dirt, he said, Bride, where are your accusers? Bride, where is the devil? Do you not see me? Go and sin no more. I'm the one who stands before you. There's no more accusers. There's no more turbulation around you. There's nobody holding rocks ready to hurl them at you. There is only me. So when I read this, I said, my God, you took me. A dirty, filthy young girl who was trapped in her mind and said that the only way that I will ever receive love is from a man's physical touch or from an image. You took that girl and you said, hey, hey, baby girl, I cleared it. I cleared them out. I took out your accusers and now I am identifying you as my bride. Now go and sin no more. In that moment, she was washed. In that moment, she was washed. She was cleaned. And he said, go and sin no more. She was sent on an assignment. And then he identifies himself as the light of the world. And all who follow him will experience the light of life, which showed me that we were promised light here on earth, and we are promised an everlasting life in heaven when we follow him, when we take that identity as a bride, and when we look up and see him, and we don't listen to the enemy say that the accusers have surrounded you, and listen for his cue when he says, Woman, where are your accusers? we look up and we see no one but we see a spotless lamb who got out of who, who was in the dirt for us and rose up beautiful to come and call us his bride I'm so grateful that I looked up <laughs> I'm so grateful that I looked up and I didn't see I didn't see arms wired back with stones in their hands. But I saw two arms stretched out with holes in his hands. I saw one. I saw one man, not many men, with stones in their hands. I saw one man with two holes in his hands and holes in his feet. And he said, Wife, Bride, my love, my beloved, where are your accusers? Where is your turbulation? Where is your turmoil? Where is your struggle? Where is your addiction? Where is your battle? Where is the darkness? And I can look at him. Because in him there is no darkness. So when he asked me where my darkness was, I now looked up and I saw him. I could say I see no darkness because all I see is light. And in this moment, in this story, when he says woman, when she heard him identify him as her beloved, as his beloved, when he heard, when she heard that, 
She was stunned because her whole life had been men who said that they loved her, who said that they that they loved her just to get the benefit from her. But in this moment, she heard something different. She heard, I really do love you. Look up and tell me, where's your darkness now? And when she looked up, she said, oh my. Oh my. I see no darkness. I see no accusers. I see no one. But I see a savior. And he said, go and sin no more. I do not accuse you because I did all of this for you. I defeated death, hell, and the grave for you. He's looking at us and he's saying, look at the holes in my hands. Look at the hole in my side. The scars on my back. Look at me. Because I did all of these for you. I'm the only one who could rightfully accuse you. The only one who has the right to stone you, to take you out. I'm the only one who can. But I won't because I love you too much, bride. I love you too much. So today I am grateful. That when I heard the voice of God say, Bride, where are your accusers? That I didn't stay looking at my feet. Because if I'd have stayed looking at my feet, I'd have been like, they're all around me. They're all still there. I don't want to look because I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch my life come to an end. Sometimes we think that when we look up that we're going to see our life come to an end. Sometimes we think that when we look up, that when we open our eyes, we're just going to see darkness. We're going to see the fear. We're going to see the giants. We're going to see the stones get hurled our way. And we say, I don't want to watch. God is saying, look up. Because you're not going to see that darkness. You're not going to see that death. You're not going to see that thing that's tried to come against you. When you open your eyes and when you look up and when you look at me, you're only going to see light. You're only going to see victory. So look up. So I want to challenge you today. No matter what you're facing, remember your identity. Remember that He calls you beloved. He's called you beloved. He's called you to be salt and light. He said, all who follow me will experience the light, the light of life. Remember that. And when he tells you to look up, look up. Because what he's wanting to show you is not accusers holding stones ready to hurl them at your head. But what he wants to show you is two holes in his hands.
arms stretched wide. Just say, neither do I. Neither do I. Because I love you too deeply. A love that's greater than any love you can ever receive from a man. A love that's greater than any love you can receive from an image or from a drug or from a friend or from a family member. A love so much greater and a love we will never fully be able to fathom or understand. Remember. Remember who he has created you to be. Remember the assignment he's placed you on. Use every single day as an assignment. Take every single day as an assignment from God. Every single day is a day that the Lord has made. So every single day you've been put on an assignment to look up and to go and sin no more and to follow him to the end of the earth. To follow him until your last dying breath. And know that there is a promise awaiting you at the end of the finish line. That promise that he's going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Remember your assignment. Remember your identity. And fall in love with the love of Christ. Look up when he says to look up. Because the longer you look down, the longer you're letting the enemy take a hold of your thoughts. And God wants to show you that there are no more accusers, but only victory. So I pray that you would remember that, that you would carry this word throughout your week. And I'm so grateful and I'm honored that I was allowed and freed to be more open and vulnerable with you guys. And I pray that this be encouragement. If just to one, then it's an encouragement to one. But I'm thankful for each of you who tuned in, who listened, and I can't wait to do another one of these very soon. I love you guys. Praying for each of you, and I will see you on the next one.